Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Good morning, everyone from Community of Hope. How are you guys doing this morning? In case you're wondering, no, Trevor doesn't look a little bit more handsome today. <laughs> my, name, <laughs> my name is Jose, and I get the honor and the pleasure of serving this congregation as your worship leader. And so if you haven't noticed, the worship guys have actually taken over today's service. So we're going to have a good time today. If you have any complaints at all, any complaints... Please feel free to email me personally at Keith at communityofhope.church. I told him I was going to use that one and he still laughed <laughs> on that topic. I just want to, you know, Keith was one of the first people that I met from Community of Hope and I don't want to cry. I'm an emotional guy. But gosh, Keith, your passion for serving is just so evident. I'm just so blessed and honored. Can we just give him a hand? And I, nothing can, I can't go without saying about this church. I mean, we've been here, Jason and I have been here now like four months. And, um, oh, this thing is falling off. Jason <laughs> and I have been here about four months now. And we have felt nothing but love from you guys. And we are just so grateful from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but anyways, we're in this series, if you've been with us The past couple of weeks, we've been on a series called Get Your Life Back, okay? And we've been talking about practices for our interior lives, our soul, some soul care. We've been giving you guys some practices to take home, some practices to take home to connect with God, to uh, gain intimacy with God during these really tumultuous, really chaotic times, if you will. And so... Uh, last week, we talked about laying aside things that inhibit our walk with Jesus. Laying aside things that inhibit our walk. And we applied that specifically to devices, to technology, correct? So how many of you guys found a device-free zone in your home? How many? All right. If you didn't do it this week, it's not just a one-week thing. It's a forever thing. It's a thing that you should keep doing. And so we're going we're gonna to build off of that this morning. Just as a reminder, our scripture memory verse for this series is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. If you would read it with me. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anytime you're stressed, just go to that verse. Just read it over and over again. So today we're going to continue this conversation of getting our lives back. But just as how Keith implied, it's not so much about us getting it back, but more so receiving it back, right? That's our actual exercise. And we're going to grow in our faith amid everything that's going on in our culture. So would you pray? Would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we are so grateful for 
um, the opportunity to come and worship you, to read your word. God, some of us have walked in here with some heavy burdens this morning. God, would you help us to take your yoke and walk with you? God, would we hear you and you alone, and would you be glorified in the preaching of your word this morning in your name? Amen. I would like to begin our time today by asking this one simple question. What is the opposite of love? Now, the first thing that comes to someone's mind, at least it did to me, is hatred, love, and hate. An obvious dichotomy, right? Nobel Nobel Peace Prize winner Elie Wiesel, you might know him as a Holocaust survivor, wrote the book Night, very famous. He said this, the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. For at a minimum, to love or to hate someone is to have intense emotions towards them. You see, when we're indifferent to people, we have no emotion. We have no care. We have no desire, no, no longing. When we love for them, it's exact, when we love them, it's exactly the opposite. And if you apply those concepts to God, right? When we love God, we have a longing, a desire for His things. We want to be with Him in His presence. But when we're indifferent, when our hearts are indifferent, they're cold. They're distant. We have no desire for God's things. We have no desire to be with him. And oftentimes we, we catch ourselves feeling this way. And I feel like the life of a Christian, sometimes we go like this. I have found myself at moments in my life feeling indifferent to the things of God. And I think if we're honest, we can all say that. And we think that we can't help it. We think that there is no hope. And we think that God doesn't love us back. I'd like to suggest this morning that it's a lack of intimacy with God on our part, not with God, that breeds indifference. I'll say that one more time. It's a lack of intimacy with God on our part. God is still here. He hasn't left you. He has not left. He is still here. It's on our part that breeds indifference in our hearts. And in many ways, the issues that we're experiencing in our world today are just making things so much more worse, right? We're separated and we continue to be separated from a ton of our church family, right? Our culture of division is is seeping its way in through the back door of our church, capital C church. And we're still trying to figure out how we even do church, (laughs) In this new post-pandemic age. You see, social distancing has become spiritual distancing, emotional distancing. We're ultimately trying to figure out how we as a church can continue to connect with God despite all these changes in the world. And the goal is a continual intimacy with God and each other. So we don't grow indifferent. So we don't grow cold. And so, so far in this series, we've discussed different ways that we can grow intimacy with God, such as scripture reading, experiencing God with, through creation. That was, that was quite a fun one. So I had lots of people actually tell me they did actually drive out <laughs> with their windows down. <laughs> and so, but today we're going to discuss a practice that perhaps you haven't thought about before. 
And if you haven't thought about it, perhaps you've been doing it or perhaps you need to start. And that practice today is the practice of adoration. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. What is the practice of adoration? I've never heard that, right? Well, it's very simple. It's not as complicated as you think. The practice of adoration is about remembering the God that you love. Remembering who you love. In fact, remember who you love is the title of my sermon today. It's about choosing to remember the God you love in any circumstance. doesn't matter where you are, where you've been, or what you've done. You choose to praise him. You choose to adore. It's about being intentional about praising God on a daily basis. So we began a few minutes ago talking about the temptation to feel indifferent to the things of God. And what I want us to learn today, the main point of today, is that the practice of adoration, in other words, us remembering our God, remembering who he is, that he's here, praising him intentionally, the practice of adoration yields intimacy with God. The practice of adoration yields intimacy with God. And I just want to say a couple things about that. Number one, God initiated that relationship, right? It's not by our good works that we start a relationship with God. He's the one that begins the intimacy. I said he's right here. He came to be one of us, Jesus, fully God, fully man, died on the cross for our sins. He rose proving who he was and what he said, and he's inviting you to trust him in faith. And your relationship with God begins when you place your faith in Jesus. And the practice of adoration, when we remember who God is in our lives, is a response. It's a response to God's goodness, to his faithfulness in our lives. It's the most important prayer that we can pray. Very simple. If you don't know how to pray today, this you can begin by doing this. I love you too, God. He loved us first. I love you too. The practice of adoration is a response that yields intimacy with God. So we're going to learn how and when to remember the God we love through David's Psalm 103. And how we can do the same as David shows. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 103. And as, as you're looking for it there, I just want to say a brief comment. I know we've actually preached on the Psalms quite a bit in this series. I think a couple weeks ago we preached on the Psalms as well. But if you're new to the Psalms, basically the Psalms are just uh, a compilation of songs, inspired songs, prayers, and hymns into a book of worship now in our Bible. And one of the most famous authors is King David, who actually wrote Psalm 103 that we are going to read right now. So if you would read along with me, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to first go through uh, 1 through 5, and then we'll stop. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and, and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed 
like eagles. I'm going to repeat that verse. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So the first thing I want us to see here is that David invites us to remember that we have a God in the details of our lives. A God in the details. So many of you don't know uh, my background and where Giselle and I uh, came from or how we got here. So just very briefly wanted to share that uh, just a little bit about that with you. I found myself a few years back having to move from Miami, my, my hometown, to West Palm to start my MDiv at PBA. And while the School of Ministry had like 10 to 15 paper ads and of different churches of some kind, and this was years ago, um, a couple years ago, and I just kind of put my hand in this bin of papers. 10, 15 pages, first one I just plucked it out. And, well, to make a long story short, I called, interviewed, and this is not Community of Hope. This is not the story of Community of Hope, in case you're wondering. This is a couple years ago. I called the church, I interviewed, and I ended up getting the ministry position there with that church. And joined their bivocational team. And soon after, the pastor tells me, right, during this whole time, I'm wondering, how am I going to move to West Palm? I'm so worried. I don't know. You know, we can't afford rent here in South Florida. Uh, Giselle and I wanted to get married. And and I had no idea how any of this was going to happen. And I didn't know that the pastor was going to call me back and tell me this. But he said, by the way, we have a parsonage in the church, basically a, a home on the property for the for the pastor. And they were using it for family in need. And it just so happened, church, that that very month that I called that church, there had been a family living there for eight years. And all of a sudden, that family was moving that month that I called the church. Not only that, but when, okay, so how much is the rent? He said, no, it's going to be free. Just electricity and water. I said, wow, that's, that's awesome. And then the next, the next Monday, he calls me back and he says, actually, the church decided we're not going to charge you any electricity or water. And I said, you know, I've, houses don't fall from the sky until they do. <laughs> See, I, I was so worried at the start of this process. We worry and we worry and we worry about the details of our future. But God was at, in the detail of every step, right? He was in the detail when I showed up to PBA all worried. And I, what I thought was chance, what I thought was chance, I just stuck my hand in a bin of papers and God gave me the right one. The right one. And uh, I was in the details when the only church I chose in that moment both welcomed me and had a home. Churches nowadays don't really have a ton of parishioners, uh, parsonages on the property. And he was also in the details when he put it in the heart of that family to move out after eight years, the very month that I decided to call that church. Coincidence? I don't, I don't think so. I think he was, I know he was in the details. Provost at PBA, Dr. Randy Richards, he says this, and it stuck with me. God is so much more in the details of your life than you think. In the tiniest little things. See, we all have a choice to make when God does something amazing in our lives. We can either attribute it to ourselves, we can attribute it to chance, or we can attribute it to God. 
We can choose to deceive ourselves or we can attribute it to God. And it reminds me of James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It's on the screen. We can read along with me. It says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, because every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from that Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Notice how he says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God is in the details. Every good and perfect gift. But we can fool ourselves. We can fool ourselves, and we often do, into continuing to worry and think that we're in charge of the details of our life. We're in charge of our lives. We are absolutely not. From a simple, cool walk in the morning, to the job you have, the people in your life, the most mundane details that you might think, God is present. God is present and he is there. And when the psalmist writes of a God who forgives our sins, redeems our life from the pit, who satisfies our desires with good things, not bad things, he satisfies our desires with Good things. He's describing a God who is intimately involved in the details of your life and who is concerned for you. Who is concerned for you. So the first step that we can take to dealing with any indifference in our hearts and growing intimacy with God is to recognize and acknowledge just how involved and near God is to our lives. You might feel cold, you might feel distant, you might feel indifferent, but God doesn't feel cold. God isn't distant. God hasn't left. He is in the details of your life. In the words of one of my favorite pastors, Reverend Steve Brown, he says, if you would just close your eyes, you would, you would hear the soft sound of sandaled feet. You would hear the soft sound of Sandaled feet. So as we read the beginning of Psalm 103, we, for the practice of adoration, remembering the God that we love, Psalm 103 shows us that we have a God who is intimately in the details of our lives. Secondly, Psalm 103 encourages us to remember that our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of grace. Immense grace. Would you read with me uh, verses 7 through 12 in Psalm 103. He made known his way to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. You see, the Lord is compassionate and he is gracious and he is slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever, church. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. My favorite verse in that passage, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. No, he does not. During my senior year of high school, I made a very, very unwise decision. I think the students in the room are going to like this 
analogy. <laughs> I decided that I would not do a single assignment in one of the courses, in one of my, my in the last quarter of the semester for one of my courses. Okay? <laughs> very unwise decision. And if I tell you the class, it's very ironic considering that I'm standing, in, I'm standing right here. It was actually Bible. Um, <laughs> it was actually Bible. So, um, I remember receiving the, the report card at the end of the semester and I said, oh my goodness, I didn't do a single assignment in this whole quarter. <laughs> I'm just going to fail. I hadn't failed a class all high school. I had pretty good grades. It's going to ruin my GPA. And I, I remember receiving the, the report card and opening it up, terrified. And, you know, immediately I was going to look for that class. And my eyes find the Bible class and I look to the, to the, immediately to the right of it and there wasn't an F. There wasn't a D. There wasn't even a C nor a B. There was an A. <laughs> there was an A on my report card for that class. And how did I get an A if I didn't do a single assignment the last quarter of this class? How did that happen? Well, come to find out the professor out of, by grace, just out of the goodness of his heart, decided that he would not utterly destroy my GPA <laughs> and give me something that I just really did not deserve. He gave me an A out of the goodness of his heart. I deserved an F and he gave me an A. Now this, the students in the room are all like, see mom, see dad? You know, the, you see, I don't, this is why I don't have to do my homework, right? That God's going to talk to the teacher personally in their heart and he's going to rearrange some things on my report card. If that's you this morning, I am not, that's not at all what I'm trying to say by this analogy. Actually, if you don't do your homework, you definitely will fail, okay? You, de you definitely will. But what I am trying to say is that sometimes we mess up big time. And not by accident. Willingly mess up. Sometimes we mess up so bad, we don't even want to walk in through those doors. We think that we are unworthy that we are unworthy of God's love. But it says it right here that he does not treat us according to our sins. Maybe you've come today and you've messed up. Maybe you've come willingly and you have no idea why you're even sitting in this pew this morning. You didn't even want to come because of how you are feeling. You're feeling unworthy and undeserving of God's love and grace. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, actually, that you are in excellent company. Because as a matter of fact, nobody here deserves God's grace. None of us do. Everyone here has fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, it'll be on the screen, says, Paul writes to the church at Rome, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so if you're in here and you're feeling unworthy, welcome to my club. <laughs> welcome to our club. This is a home for the broken, a hospital for sinners. But you know what? That is the, that's the beauty of our faith, actually. The fact that we're unworthy, the fact that we don't deserve God's grace and his love, but he willingly chooses, willingly chooses to give it to us 
anyways. You don't have to keep trying to be perfect. You don't have to be, keep trying to earn God's grace. This is the beauty of our faith. Paul writes in Romans 5, 8, in that same book, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, not after we stopped sinning, <laughs> while we were still sinners, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And he invites us to accept his free offer of grace and believe in him. So the problem is we're so, we're so used to trying to prove ourselves in every context. But the way of Jesus is just totally opposite. You think you're unworthy, his grace makes you worthy. You think you're not good enough, but his grace is sufficient for you. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. You think your sins will keep the love of God away from you, but he, he says you are loved and you are invited into his home. He invites you to take a seat at his table, at his communion table. And so Psalm 103 encourages us, number one, to remember that we have a God intimately in the details of our lives. Intimately in the details of our lives. Secondly, Psalm 103 encourages us to remember that we have a God who is just immensely gracious. That does not treat us as our sins deserve. And all those things, right, demand praise, adoration. But lastly, Psalm 103 wants us to remember for those of us who are in a lot of pain this morning, that we have a God who feels our pain. We have a God that feels our pain. If you would read the last section with me, Psalm 103, verses 13 through 17. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, verse 17 says, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. See, God understands our mortal situation. He lived it. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and he chose to come and experience what we lived. He experienced the loss of loved ones. He wept, John 11 says, when his friend Lazarus died. He experienced pain. He experienced temptation. The same things that we experience on a daily basis. God understands how we feel. He really does. But it's fair to say that there's quite a bit of pain going on in our world today, wouldn't you say? And more specifically than just pain, there's quite a lot of death going on in our world today. And this, this is where it becomes very difficult to do this practice. See, there was, there was a, a young couple that grew up in our first church in Miami, um, and they got married there. Um, 
And they were in their early 30s. They had just finished their, you know, kind of getting their careers going. They were thinking about having a family, growing a family, until the, the wife received a very terrible, very terrible uh, diagnosis. She had brain cancer. And uh, it came, it left, it came, it left, and then finally it came back, and um, they knew that there was, um, besides a miracle, there was going to be a very unfortunate end. 30, 30 years old. And um, at the funeral, at the funeral, I remember uh, sitting there, and the widowed husband was explaining that the months before she passed, catch this, the months before she passed and she was still able to talk and move around. And they had gone around to several churches, to several churches and just preached about the goodness and faithfulness of God as she was dying. As she was dying and leaving her husband behind, I, I get emotional because they were very close to us. She was preaching of God's goodness and faithfulness. That's a really hard thing to do, guys. That is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And I don't think that that is a, um, a formula, per se. But it was one of the most humbling experiences that I had ever felt in my entire life. Because I don't think that I'd be able to do that. But their faith reminded me of, of James 1, 2 to 4 where it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And that little faith is what helps us to cling on to God's promise in Psalm 103, verse 17, if you want to look at it again, from everlasting to everlasting, even though our lives is like grass that comes and goes and the wind takes it and it blows over and it's no more, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. I'm sure some of you came in today with some really heavy burdens. And there's no denying that. And the temptation that you're facing today is to grow distant from God. Perhaps maybe even to blame God. And you're starting to feel indifferent and cold. He's calling you today to a greater intimacy. He's calling you today to hear his voice. He loves you. And he's right there with you. He's promised to walk with you. And when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And actually, the entire Bible, the entire story of the Bible is based off of a promise that God makes in literally in the beginning and completes thousands of years later. He doesn't forget. God keeps his promises. And I know some of you have been thinking that you want to remember the God who is in the details. You want to remember the God who is gracious and loving. But right now, there doesn't seem to be a lot of good details and grace in your life. I want you to remember that you have a God who feels and understands your pain and his promises unconditional love to you. And so to recap, in our practice of adoration and remembering who 
God is in our lives. Number one, we have a God in the details, and you can praise him for that. The most tiny, minute details you can praise him for. Number two, we have a God of grace. Everything in your life that maybe you've received, the results that have come back, who you are as a person, where the, the, your, your family, everything, everything is of grace. And lastly, remember that we have a God who feels and understands our pain oh so intimately. And so how can we put this into practice? Well, last week we talked about having a device-free zone, and I'm encouraging you today, if you didn't find one, to find one, number one. And if you did find one, to keep it up. <laughs> to keep it up. This week in your device-free zone, make a list of the smallest details in your life that perhaps you wouldn't think to give God thanks for. But maybe you should. Because he's actually provided you with all those details and praise him for that make a list of those things the events the results in your life that you know it was God's gracious hand that provided that you should not have received this should not have been the outcome based on what you did or based on the life circumstances and praise him for that and lastly for those of you who are in heavy pain this morning be honest with God you don't have to lie you don't have to pretend that you don't have pain. Be honest with God. Tell him your pain. Write down your pain and pray. And ask him to walk with you. You can be honest with him and praise him for his promises. Praise him for his intimacy and his immovable presence in your life despite the circumstances. Be intentional this week about praising God. Be intentional. Don't forget. Don't let the days pass you by and you don't even have one thought about praising him. Be intentional this week. And so, Father, we thank you for a wonderful morning that we can just come and praise you, that we remember you, we remember who you are in our lives. Would you help us this week to take this with us, to not forget that you're in the details, to not forget that you are so gracious even when we mess up and God that you feel our pain you feel all the pain that's going on in the world today and you're here with us and you desire a relationship with us we thank you we praise you in your name amen thank you for joining us today be blessed go with God we'll see you next week